this morning, uh, we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 8, um, and I know the bulletin says verse 4, but I want to read uh, verse 1 uh, again, start there and read through verse 21. Uh, and if you picked up a, a cart Bible, you can find that on page 864. Uh, and the reason I want to start uh, again at verse 1, I know we read it last week, uh, is because the verses 1 through 3 really serve as a transition between chapters uh, 7 and 8. So last week, uh, if you were here, we saw a woman who was a sinner, and she had been forgiven much, and because of that, she loved much. So we saw a woman who had faith in her Savior, and her sins were forgiven because of it. So we saw this woman who is acting on her faith very, in a very real way. Um, and so then we come to these first few verses in, in chapter 8, uh, and we're told that Jesus and, and the 12 are going around and they're preaching the gospel to their surrounding villages. And we're also told that there are women uh, among the disciples who are caring uh, for the needs of Jesus and, and caring for the 12. And so this transition occurs, and once again, we see women who have heard the word and are acting on their faith now. So again, I'm going to begin in verse 1, so let me uh, read that. But before we do, let's pray and ask God's blessing on our study this morning. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, the time that you've given us this morning, that we can come and listen to your word. We can come and hear hear the word in Sunday school and in worship, and you uh, have given us that blessing without fear of, of persecution or fear of any sort of attack. And for that, we praise you and we thank you. So this morning, uh, teach us uh, from this parable, teach us how to listen well, teach us how we ought to, ought to listen. Father, we thank you. Again, we ask your blessing this morning. Amen. So here now from Luke chapter 8. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town, came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said the, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. 
and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it out on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of the word. Now, if you have ever had the opportunity to travel uh, to England, one thing you most certainly will see there are lots of castles. You'll also see the, the gardens and the beautiful flowers at those castles. Uh, the palace of, of Hampton Court is no exception uh, to this. It's one of the most spectacular that you could witness. Uh, they're also famous for the vineyard at Hampton Court. Uh, they have an immense system of grapevines that provides fruit and wine to the royal family and to of course, the guests of the royal family. But these vines are so immense, uh, and the roots have grown so extensively throughout the garden that there is a, a patch at Hampton Court where there's no grass, there's no flowers, there's no other plants. It's just bare soil, bare earth. And next to that patch, there's a placard that says this. The roots of the vine extend beneath this area. It is kept unplanted in order to prevent other plants from competing for moisture and nutrients. So these roots are so large and so vast and they've established themselves so firmly that in order to be watered, they can't be contaminated by other plants, not even grass. They, the gardeners there, they wanna keep the soil so rich and so full of nutrients that uh, they, they till it up just to be able to water the roots that are underneath. Now this is a glimpse into our, our text today. Uh, and in one respect, you can see the, the connection straight away. The parable of the sower and the seed is uh, quite clear in some respects. Uh, but we're told that to some, this is a mystery. So much like that vine at, at Hampton Court, we ought to be deeply concerned with where we are establishing our roots, if we're establishing them at all. You know, the gardeners there at Hampton Court take such care to be so sure of these roots that I think we can... Uh, take a lesson from that. And ultimately, I think that's what Christ is calling us to do. He's calling us to listen well. He's calling us to be ones who listen to the word of God, but not only that, but to be ones who do it. Now, this, I think, is a very important parable. You know, it's not just because uh, all of the parables are important, and they are, and they should all be studied, but this is uh, one of the few ones where Jesus tells us explicitly uh, what this parable means. We get the explanation with it. So I want to take those two together as the bulk of our study this morning. I want to look at the parable and the explanation kind of together. Um, and I think from that we'll be able to see who the listeners are. We'll be able to see the hearts of the listeners. And then we're going to look then at the actions of the listener. And then finally we're going to see the family of the listener. So again, we're going to look at the heart of the listener, the actions of the listener, and finally the family of the listener. So in this parable, um, in the explanation that follows, there are really four kinds of people that we see. There are four kinds of hearts 
that are described here. So we have the hard heart, we have the shallow heart, we have the distracted heart, and then finally we have the faithful heart. So first, this, this hard heart. Turn and look back with me at verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some of the seed falls along the path, and we're told in the explanation back in verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard, but after they hear, the devil comes and takes away the word from them. So first, let's, let's talk about this listener, the, the one on the path, this one with the, that I'm calling the hard heart. Now think about a path. The, the image is there in Scripture for us, a path that we walk all the time. Uh, what happens to the ground? The ground gets beaten down and plotted time after time. Um, I don't know if many of you go hiking, if you ever get the chance to hike, uh, you go on a path, and that path is clear. There's no plants from it. Uh, now, sometimes today, uh, people do come along and they'll whack plants out of the way, but for the most part, even if you go on a trail that hasn't been walked on much or hasn't been walked on often, there is still a place, a little section of hard ground where people have walked over and over and over. That's the picture of this heart. It's that hard ground that's been beat over and over and over again. This is the hard heart. It's the one that, for whatever reason, will hear the word and will never believe. Now, maybe this listener has faced some, some bitter pain, some agony. Maybe it's a loved one that passed away, or maybe they suffer from a disease. Uh, perhaps this listener met someone who preached the word and then turned around and committed a sin. So they see this hypocrisy and they just harden their hearts against that. Maybe it's just as simple as that for their whole life they have never wanted to believe and so over their life they have continually hardened their heart. And so now it's just a heart of stone. And so the seed that gets scattered, the word is preached and it just sits atop this heart of stone, never penetrating. Now there's also a reference to Satan here, which is a little bit confusing, I think. Uh, the devil taking away the word of God, but I want to be clear about this. This is not the devil or the enemy stopping the word preaching. The word is sown. The seed is sown. The word is preached, and the word of God goes out. And the word of God is eternal, and as long as there are people on this earth, his word will be proclaimed. The devil cannot touch it. The devil cannot stop it. And in our passage this morning, we have to notice that the word is going out. This is not the devil stopping it or foiling it in some way. What the enemy wants is to make us ignore it. We, he wants to make us ignore the word that's in front of us, ignore the truth of scripture and the truth that's right in front of us. And he wants us, the enemy wants to keep us focused on something other than the word. Because if we really listen, if we're open to the nourishment, to the feeding of the word, then these roots will start to grow. When the gospel is preached, the enemy will do everything they can to keep, to keep us from establishing those roots, to keep us from hearing and letting that word penetrate our hearts. So it's not the devil stopping. It's the devil trying to get us not to pay attention to what's happening. So the shallow heart, then, moving on from the hard heart. The shallow heart is the listener that looks super great in a lot of ways. Look back at verse 6 with me. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. 
Now in verse 13, Christ explains this and says, the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing, fall away. And we've all seen this, haven't we? We've seen people who go over the top about something and they express their, their joy and their exuberance and then something hard happens, something doesn't go exactly the way they want and they abandon their belief. And we've all seen something like that. We've seen this over exuberation and we know that they're not sincere. Now some of you know I'm from Tennessee. Down in Tennessee, college football is a lot bigger than the NFL. To give you an example, the University of Tennessee, their stadium holds about 103,000 people. The Titans, the NFL team in Tennessee, their stadium holds about 70,000. So that gives you a picture of the difference. Um, now if you really know anything about college football, you know that right now there are four or five teams that are competing this season for the national championship. Just four or five teams. And if you really know college football, you know that Tennessee isn't one of those. But every year, there's someone that's like, yep, this is our year. I know it. We're going to do it. This is our year. And the rest of us from Tennessee, we just kind of roll our eyes at them and go, uh-huh, yeah, sure. And sure enough, after a losing season, that person who is exclaiming at the beginning of the season, this is our year, nowhere to be found. Not saying anything now. That's the shallow heart. That's... That's someone who gets excited at the preaching and they're all uh, excited for the beginning of it, but then something difficult comes along, a losing season comes along, and the shallow heart forgets their faith. Now, we've all heard these, these wonderful stories of uh, people who are persecuted and, and they stand firm. This is the heart that we're called to have. Uh, and I think of what we prayed for Syria today and other countries in the Middle East that we pray for or uh, our brothers and sisters in China even. Um, these believers, they meet week after week at the risk of their jobs, at the risk of their families, and sometimes at the risk of their very lives. But they meet because they're not shallow, because there's a depth to their faith. They are firm in their faith. This is not what a shallow heart does. So your heart or the heart of the listener may not be shallow, but may be distracted in some way. So we've seen the hard heart, we've seen the shallow heart, now let's look. Uh, at the next one, at the distracted heart. So verse 7, if you'll look at back with me. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and grew up with it and choked it. Now this is one of the longer explanations then in verse 14 that Christ offers. Christ says, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. These are those people who seem... Uh, they, they seem like their heart is right. They seem like their heart's in the right place. The word enters, and perhaps there's some study, and perhaps there's even some growth, but ultimately that fruit never comes to bear. That fruit never comes to maturity. We may think that we see blossoms or the, or the beginning of faith, but the cares and the riches and the, and the pleasures of life, they ultimately get in the way. And so I want to look uh, at the cares and the riches and the pleasures in, in kind of two ways. Uh, the cares of life, these are not things that are necessarily sinful. Uh, take what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 7. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Now, Paul is not writing that it's sinful to get married. Not at all. Uh, he is simply noting that your cares are divided. 
that uh, it's good and right and proper that husbands and wives should care for each other, but someone uh, who isn't married doesn't have those same cares. However, the distracted heart goes beyond this. The distracted heart is so focused on those cares and so focused on those things that they get distracted from the word. They get distracted from what's right in front of them. And so in some way, these cares have gotten in the way of their maturity, of their growth in Christ. And in some ways, I, I have to admit, this is uh, a struggle for me at times, particularly in uh, that marriage aspect, since I'm not married. Um, it's easy to look around at, at circumstances um, like that and see uh, how many wonderful families we have here. And those of us in this church that aren't married uh, may feel the same way. It's great to look and see and be a part of this family, be a part of the church. Um, but I think there are times when we can uh, look at our circumstances and look at the things that we want, and they get in the way. That's keeping our eyes on the subjective, not on the objective. Right? And then I think this is what happens with Peter, too, when he starts walking on water. Peter is so excited and so enthusiastic uh, to see Christ walking out towards him uh, that he jumps out, and as he's focused on Christ, he's walking towards Christ, um, but then he starts noticing the circumstances around him. He gets distracted, and so he begins to sink. That's the distracted heart, but we ultimately know that Peter's faith was strong, and, uh, and Christ you know, reaffirms him, asking uh, him after the resurrection, do you love me? And yeah, Peter affirms that, absolutely. But this is the distracted heart, that that's a, it's a lifetime of this. It's a lifetime of being so much more concerned about the circumstances and the things around uh, that the word doesn't bear fruit in our lives. But the other aspect of this is that when that distraction becomes too deep or, or too consuming that we uh, reject God or, or replace him altogether in our lives. And it's easy for the riches and pleasures of the world to, to do that. So remember the, the rich young ruler who comes up and says, uh, what must I do to be saved? And Christ tells him, sell all that you have and follow me. He goes away sad because he had great possessions. He was so distracted by his, his possessions and his situation that he became an idol. It's so easy for the distracted heart to become the idolatrous heart, to have something that distracts us that replaces God ultimately in our lives. And here I, I do want to mention, uh, this, is, this is a hard and heavy thing, but what we believe about the gospel, what we believe about the truth is that if God has called us, that he is faithful and just to complete that good work in us. If he's called us and we have a hard heart, that gospel is a pickaxe. It can drive through that hard ground. And the gospel is the tool that takes away those rocks so that the seed can plant deep roots. And it is uh, the magnifying glass that can focus our hearts. That is the power of the gospel. That's the power of Christ. And that is how we develop the, the faithful heart the final heart. So let's turn and look at the good soil now, back at verse 8. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. So Christ explains it then in verse 15. He says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the heart that's soft. 
It's a heart that's deep. It's a heart that's focused. This is the heart that proclaims along with the psalmist in Psalm 119. It says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That's the faithful heart. And in this parable, notice how it says it bears a hundredfold of what's sown. So what is that hundredfold? This is how the word bears fruit. This is how the word is applied to our lives. We grow in maturity. We grow closer to Christ. We become more like him. We learn to listen to the spirit and we submit more and more of our lives to God. We exhibit the fruits of the spirit. That's how it, that's how it bears a hundredfold. So we grow in, in love, we grow in joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and we grow in self-control. We grow in these things, and it's evidence to us and to others that the word has taken root in our hearts, and we are counted among God's people. And I think if most of us are honest, we ought to be praying for this sort of heart. Pray that God would soften our hearts, that he would deepen our hearts, and that he would focus our hearts. The faithful heart is also the heart that wants to grow in faithfulness. This is the heart that hears the word and wants more of it. Now Christ ends this parable by telling the listeners to, to take heed, to be careful. He says in verse 8, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We need to listen well, and listening well is active. It's not just a passive, sit back and absorb it sort of a thing. There's some action and some fruit that will be visible from listening well. So we as believers need to listen well so that we can continue to grow, continue to abound in maturity. And many think that they have heard, and many think that they have understand, but they don't. So Christ calls us to listen well. I think this is at least uh, in part some of the reason why Christ says in verse 10, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. For the first three hearts, hearing the word is confusing, confounding, and, and difficult even. Maybe possibly offensive as well. The preaching of the gospel is hard to hear, except for those with a faithful heart. We want to know it more. We want to dig more into it. So we have to remember that faith is a gift, and it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. Now, to some have been given this gift of faith through the hearing of the word, and to others it hasn't been given. So we need to take care how we hear, so we let the word take root in our hearts and move towards maturity. So after explaining this parable, after going through all these different hearts, Christ then moves to apply it. Christ is concerned about our hearts and he's concerned about how we listen, but then he leads us to how we can be not only hearers of the word, but how we can also be doers. So in this next almost mini parable, Christ is teaching us that what the actions, he's teaching us what the actions of the listener should be. So these are the actions of the listener. They are, uh, those who listen will bear fruit. 
Now they're, they're listening, their faith is evident from their own growth and from their own maturity, and so they bear the fruit of the Spirit. We, we mentioned this aspect of it above. Now we know that our actions, the things we do, they are not salvific. They don't save us. This call to hear, this call to listen, it doesn't just stop with us as individuals, though. If we listen well, that seed that reproduces a hundredfold in us isn't just in and of ourselves, but it's for us to share as well. And this is what Christ does. He then takes this and applies it uh, via the lamp. So he begins teaching about the lamp in verse 16. And so, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. But he puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Now, the same teaching, uh, it also occurs in Matthew 5. And in Matthew 5, it's just abundantly clear that this teaching is about evangelism. It's about sharing the gospel. It's about sharing your faith with others. And so this lamp has been lit in us. When the word has been sown onto good soil and it, and it grows deep, that lamp's been lit. And so we who have been lit with, with the light of the gospel are compelled to share it. So when Christ teaches that those of a faithful heart on whom the word is given will reap a hundred times what's sown, it's not only bringing us to maturity, but we will share with others and we'll tell others of the good news uh, of Christ. That's the point of lamps, isn't it? The point of lamps is, is to be seen, I think, here. Uh, of the story of Paul Revere. Most of us, I think, learned this story at some point uh, in our education, especially living in this area certainly would have heard it, and I'm sure many of us remember uh, that part of the poem uh, by Longfellow, one if by land and two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore shall be ready to ride and spread the alarm. Now, the lantern hung in the Old North Church. It was only hung for about a minute. It wasn't up there very long, but Boston at that time, it was one of the tallest buildings, and so hanging that lamp up in uh, a steeple would be seen for miles. Anyone could have seen it, and so they didn't want it up there too long because the British would have seen it as well. So Revere and uh, William Dawes and Samuel Prescott, they see this light, and what do they do? They share the meaning of that light with those around them. That's the point. So if we're going to be ones who listen well, if our hearts are going to be those hearts of good soil and we are going to hear the word, part of that action is, is sharing the gospel. It's sharing that light with others. Christ continues on in verse 17. He says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. So take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given, and for the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Our hearts will be made known, and God already knows our hearts. So let's be careful then how we listen. If we are listening well, our actions will surely follow. Those are the actions of the listener. So we've seen how Christ calls us to listen, how he calls us to hear. We've seen how he applies that text, and, and we've seen what the listener should do. Now I want us to quickly look at the last section in our text today so we can see who the family of the listener is. You know, we're told uh, at the beginning that Jesus was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, or preaching the gospel. And for those who hear and, and do 
the good news, uh, the good news for us is that we're family with Christ. And we see that in the final section. It, this wouldn't be an unusual thing for his mother and his brothers to approach them. By this point, Jesus had gained some notoriety, some celebrity, and so his family wants to talk to him, but they can't get to him because of the crowds. So Jesus is informed of this, but he takes the opportunity here not to dismiss his family, not to dismiss, um, not to embarrass his family, or not to deny that in some way they are his family, but he takes this chance just to further his teaching on hearing and doing. So Jesus says that those who hear the word of God and do it are his family. Christ, he's not diminishing his own mother and brothers. He's, he's elevating us. He's elevating us to his family. He's so concerned with our hearts and so concerned with our obedience, with, with obedience that he says those who follow me and those who do the word of God, they're family. They are our, they're, I'm as close with them as that. Now, I know we've talked a lot about works and the things that we do, and I want to be clear that the works that we do, are they're not what saves us. The fruit that we bear is not, uh, not what saves us, but it's evidence of that. There's nothing we can do to work our own salvation. As I read earlier, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And not of works. That's the end of the verse. It's not of works so that no one can boast. The things we do then are an outworking, an evidence of our faith in Christ. And so then Christ gives us hope after this. He calls us brothers and sisters. So Romans 8 even furthers this. He says, you have received the spirit of adoption by sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So to be sons and daughters and brothers and sisters with Christ is to suffer with him and to be glorified with him. Many of you have children, and you know, there's nothing that a son can do. There's nothing that a, uh, a daughter can do that can make them no longer sons or daughters. And so just after Christ tells us that we've received the spirit of adoption, it goes on further. He says, For I am sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the hope that's given to us when Christ says, those who hear the word and do it are his family. So let the word take root in your hearts. Listen well. And then if, if we do that, we have this outpouring of love that's been given to us by Christ. We share that hope and we share that love of Christ when he says, these are my family. And so in this passage that can feel so heavy and so burdened, we feel like we just have to examine our hearts constantly, examine how we come and how we listen to the word. We're given this statement here at the end that's so full of love and so full of hope that, that we can miss it because we don't understand it. And Christ calls us his family. So even as Christ is teaching here that there are some with hard hearts, and some with shallow hearts, and some with distracted hearts, it's easy to focus on that. It's easy to focus in on what we have to do and, and how we should be living. 
But the imperative in this section, be careful how you listen. Listen well and let the word of God take root in your hearts. That's the command. Listen well. Be careful how you hear. So pray that God would make you into good soil. Pray that you can bear good fruit. Pray for chances to share that light. Pray for chances to share the gospel with others. And give thanks for the hope that you've been given. If you believe the good news of Christ and you've committed your life to him in faith, rejoice because you are part of God's family. So listen well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us to listen to your word and to listen well to it. And your word is so full of, of truth. And your word is also full of, of hope. So may you plant your word in our hearts so they can grow deep, grow long roots that stand firm in persecution, and roots that uh, are focused solely on you. Teach us more and more from your word so we can know Christ, our Savior, who is the word. And help us to share that with others. So, Father, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you for this parable. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.